There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee it is to get us back to that point. All right? Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. When you think about running through the tea at Nayland Stadium for the first time this Saturday, does that give you a little bit of chicken skin? Chicken skin, you know. You know what I'm making reference to when I say chicken skin? You're a southern boy. I ain't got no idea. Dobbs heaves it. They're bunched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Big, big weekend coming up for Tennessee time. Almost Halloween time? Grant Ramey has to dress up as Captain Hook time. And I just said that because he could not make it to the podcast this week. And that is his punishment time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Recording this on a Thursday Afternoon, going to drop it to you on a Friday morning as per the usual. And uh, we are the two guys without kids, so we're the ones here today, Patrick. Alas. Alas. We're supposed to have Ryan today, but something came up, he couldn't make it. Darn. Ramey, as usual. We hope hope Ryan's little guy's all right. Yeah, he's been a little... He's a little cranky. Been a little cranky today, Ryan's little guy, so hopefully he's... Hopefully he's doing all right, and Grant, or as you want to refer to him, Captain Hook, if you would like, you could say that. Can I can I give two shout outs to uh, a couple of non Go Balls twenty four seven staffers? I, I I darn sure hope you will. Uh, first shout out is to and, and I think you will join me in, in this shouting out is uh, congratulations to friend of the program David Cobb. TFP for life. Um, he followed me. At the on the Tennessee beat for the Chattanooga Times Free Press newspaper, who and I followed you. Um, so he uh, clearly is more talented than both of us because he's going to be covering an NBA team. Yeah, not just an NBA team, but the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Cobb is a is a Memphis guy. Um, I hate to lose a, a Memphis guy off the beat. That's true. We're few and far between. Um, but he is going back to his uh, his old stomping grounds and will be covering the Grizzlies for the uh, USA Today Gannett conglomerate so and i think he uh, might be playing uh, adult recreational sports with my brother and some uh, in some memphis basketball and soccer hoop. leagues he can hoop he's yeah, my he's, brother can't do it have, uh, he's gonna try to bring him on the team as a ringer Cobb is uh he's quite springy he's injury prone a little bit um you never know he he's he's like that 29.5 inch vertical leap he's like that nba player who like in fantasy you're like man i know i want this guy he's gonna stuff the stat sheet he's gonna have good nights and then Petrosso like uh, he's gonna miss probably half the season. <laughs> yeah. So ankle, knee, hamstring. He'll he, he'll probably hurt it all. He but, goes hard. Uh, but yeah, that's that's because he goes. He's he's sort of like Crash. Uh, he's yeah. like Dwayne Wade. He's like Crash. Uh, he just he goes hard all the time. Second shout out is to uh, to my guy Raleigh, who has been uh, clamoring for me to give him a shout out for a couple weeks now, uh, and I hope this will help him trade me Lonzo Ball in our fantasy league. 
<laughs> is that what you're so, going for? <laughs> no, hey, he, hey, hey, Ra- you, Raleigh deserves it. He's a good dude. Um, but I'm also, I also have my ulterior motives here. So, uh, and uh, shout out to his, he told me to say go. I think he's like a, I think he coaches a, a kid's team. Mm. They're called the Wampus Cats. I like it. So uh, I think Raleigh is just as good as a coach as he is a, as a fantasy basketball team manager. So uh, shout out to you, Raleigh. Yeah, the uh, speaking of uh, of people, and, and now people and on our board are going to be like, I want to shout out with people with the fantasy sports. A good a good friend of ours uh, who who runs the uh, runs the uh, Alabama site there, BOL Bama Online, Tim Watts. He once a couple years ago in our fantasy football league, he traded me Trent Richardson, and I thought, <laughs> why is he trading me Trent Richardson? And I looked around and I was like, no, nah, I mean he hadn't had the greatest start to the season, but he's still Trent Richardson. He's had he's been a good player. You know, he's been productive for that bad team. I, I think I think that's fine. And then a couple of weeks later, Trent Richardson just began sucking at football and has ever since. And so basically our our buddy, air quotes, buddy who covers Alabama for a living, uh, traded me an Alabama player that did not work. And so I considered that insider trading. And to this point, I hesitate every time that I think about doing a trade with him that involves any kind of an Alabama player because – I I sense a conspiracy there. Fool me once, yeah. Was it shame on you? Fool was, me twice, shame on me. What was it? Uh, President Bush once said, "Like fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you you can't you 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 can't fool me again." Good quote there. There's a there's a who song. Don't get fooled again. It's true, and another one called uh, and the one who are you? All kinds of stuff with who. <laughs> Speaking of which... We're off to a rollicking start. No, here's why we can get off to a rollicking start here, Patrick, because if you hear this... We're prepared this time. You know what out. that means? That means we've got an outline, which means I have written on a white steno pad, not the regular yellow legal pad. Um, normally I go yellow, legal pad, blue, ink. Right now I've got white steno pad and red ink because I'm guessing my wife left this around here at the office and I picked it up and that's what I've got right now. So You let your wife up here? Uh, yeah, she has her own office across the hall um, because we don't have kids yet, so we both have an office here. But uh, she's allowed to, to walk in here. She can't decorate it. This is the only room in the house that isn't yellow. But uh, And it's also probably the least aesthetically pleasing room in the entire house uh, that hasn't been destroyed by the great uh, flood of a few months ago. So we've got on here an outline of things to talk about for this Tennessee-South Carolina football game. We will get to all we're, of these we're notes. Just, we're just ignoring the Alabama game. It doesn't matter. That was like a seventh grader playing a high school team, seventh grade team playing a high school team, and that has nothing to do with Tennessee. It'd be like a it'd be like a high school team playing in the seven in the middle school age division. That's what it was like. I think that's fair. It'd you know, be it's just it just I mean it's just not fair. If you can hear the sound right now of me typing, that's because I am typing. I'm typing uh, what I normally put on the system. Uh, in, in the board at GoVoss247.com. I normally put this in about half an hour before we start the podcast. Uh, I did not do that this week because we recorded the Trey Smith uh, Unfortunate News podcast right before we did this one, so uh, I've not had time to write this. But I am getting to the uh, writing the, the podcast questions thread right now, and as you know, the winner gets to be the Grant's Gun Show question of the week, and the prize for that, uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. It's a unique prize. I don't know if anyone will ever claim it, but it's 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 going to be good if anyone does ever. If claim I won, it. I'd claim it. But I also see Grant Ramey more frequently than yeah. Than so most. you would have a chance to redeem it. Whereas for other people, um, this 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 is this is a big deal. And if they ever see him, 
the three nights a year he goes out, then they could he'll, he'll they be could out at Halloween. This. So if you if you're in the greater Blount County area, <laughs> he would say it's the greatest Blount County area because Blount County is the greatest in his mind. Yeah, they they have good schools there. Good high school, f- good high school football, as uh, Jeremy Pruitt would say. High school. Speaking of uh, high school football, uh, some of those high school football players become college football players, and if they do that, some of them go to South Carolina and Tennessee, which means they will face each other Saturday night, seven thirty p.m. Eastern at Williams Bryce Stadium, there in Columbia, South Carolina, or Columbia East, as I call it, with that unique stadium, which is. Uh, where they filmed The Waterboy and some other movies, and it's also right in the middle of the state fairground. So uh, not the most aesthetically pleasing area for, for an SEC football stadium, but uh, it's a nice stadium. Uh, the, the fans, when they show up there, they show up loud and make some noise, and uh, not a bad place to watch a football game. Uh, and Tennessee is playing a game this weekend that is huge for both of these teams. Now, we'll spend most of this podcast discussing Tennessee going into this game, but you can't really discuss Tennessee in a vacuum without talking about the opponent Tennessee's playing that week. And South Carolina is a team that a lot of people did not think would be 3-3 three and three heading into this football game. Probably would be 4-3 and three if a game hadn't been re- uh, canceled because of weather, but still, a lot of people did not think this team would have three losses at this point in the season. This team finished really strong last season and went into this season as some people thought an SEC East contender. Some people picked, the, picked this team to win the SEC East this season. Not been that way. Uh, South Carolina is 3-3 three and three with a, a blowout loss at home against Georgia with a loss, uh, convincing, um, solid loss, not like a got blown out, but were soundly beaten by Kentucky at Kentucky and then lost kind of a, a, a tough one there to Texas A&M at home two weeks ago. Had last week off to get some bumps and bruises healed. Um, but this South Carolina team, people talk about Tennessee maybe needing to win a bowl game to win this game. I don't know that I 100% buy that, but I think it makes it a lot easier for Tennessee to go to a bowl game if it wins this game. I think we got to talk about whether South Carolina could rebound from this and go to a bowl game. Because you look at the schedule – and South Carolina, with a couple of these losses, now this shows you how fine the line is, right? Because right now, they're, this team is ending with Tennessee. they got they got to go to Florida, Ole Miss, and Clemson yeah, to close the season. At Ole they're Miss, gonna, at Florida, at Clemson, and, and in between, the mighty Chattanooga Mocs visit and, South Carolina. And, and Muschamp has said this week that they're going to play a 12th game. Remember they had, their, they had a game against Marshall uh, in September that was – canceled because of hurricane florence or was it matthew one of the two um i think it was florence um yeah but they i think, uh, I think, I think they are uh, they have said that they are for sure going to be lining up a game on uh december 1st probably southern miss i think southern miss had a game canceled too but uh don't know about that yet not so sure about that, but what we do know that I would, that had just been some stuff I had read on on the internet. Yeah, yeah, com, possible so. be, because this team could need a game like that. Yeah, to, I mean, if if they don't get to six, if they don't win this game, they still might not get to six. And, and I think when you look at the South but Carolina team, they beat it, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is beatable. Yeah, when when you see the South Carolina team, I think it gives you at least a little bit of an understanding or an empathy for kind of how tough. How, how fine a line it is in this league. Because Tennessee, several times in the past few years, has gone into a season not thinking it wouldn't go to a ball game. But then in this league, if you take just one step back, if you're just not as sharp as you need to be, 
you go from maybe being a contender for a division championship to maybe not making a bowl game. That's how fine that line is. This South Carolina team brought back a lot of experience, had a, a guy who, for all his faults as a head coach in his career at times, he's been a really good defensive mind, a good defensive coach. Uh, South Carolina had been kind of a plucky, hard, scrabble, fighting team that had given itself a chance to take the next step and, and get better as a program this season. But because just a couple things didn't go right, all of a sudden this team is maybe finishing 500 or so. So that's how fine the line is in this league. And I think, doesn't that show you, Patrick, just kind of how you have to how you have to go about your business in this league? Because if you go back just a little bit, you're hurting in a hurry. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's – you, you, it's constantly changing. I mean, you look at Auburn, um, you know, 11 months ago, they were beating Alabama and Georgia at, at home. And then two weeks ago, Tennessee goes in there and wins. So uh, things can change pretty quickly. Uh, and, and for South Carolina, I think um, the biggest thing, maybe the d- biggest difference is that they had been really good, I think, in close games. I'm not sure what their record is, but it seems like they were yes, um, pretty good in close games last season under Muschamp. Um, and, and the other big thing is that I think they were like plus 11 in turnover margin, and now they're minus five. And so that's a good way to go from uh, winning nine games to sitting at three and three in late October. Because if you don't, if you, if the turnover margin goes drastically the other way. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. If you're a team that's not going to just overwhelm people with talent, you have to be good in those areas. And, and if you're not, then then this is what can happen to you. So this South Carolina team, we'll get to a little bit more about the Gamecocks later. Uh, but if you are the Gamecocks, you probably take some some good feelings about this game and, and for a couple reasons. One, Tennessee just lost his best offensive lineman. And two, uh, Will Muschamp has never lost to Tennessee. One of the most amazing stats out there because Will Muschamp's record as a head coach is not what you would call unassailably good, you know, you're not talking about a guy who is just, I mean, just setting the world on fire as a head coach, right? Well, let me see. Look, let's look at this overall record that he's got as a head coach. Overall, as well, a head well, coach. Well, he bombed at Florida. So if you're bombing at Florida, you're probably not that good of a head coach. Yeah, went 28 and 21 at Florida in four years. Uh, he is 46 and 35 as a head coach. Now, every time he's been a head coach, he has been a head coach in the Southeastern Conference. So that, that's a little bit tougher. But his record as a head coach. 46 and 35. And yet, as the head coach of the Florida Gators and as the South Carolina Gamecocks, he is, uh, what is it, uh, 6 and 0 against Tennessee? So, 6 and 0. He has never lost to Tennessee. So, that is interesting because you're coaching at Florida for a couple of years. Hey, they expect to beat Tennessee. South Carolina, not always that case. So, that that's an interesting stat and one of the more fascinating things about. Tennessee in the past decade is the fact that Will Muschamp has owned the Vols. But for this game for Tennessee, Patrick, do you think Tennessee needs to win this game to go to a bowl? Yes. Hmm. Um, because the final three games, they're going to beat Charlotte, so that's four. So you need two more. Um, I think they can beat Vanderbilt, but that that's a game that Commodores always play them hard. Uh, it doesn't matter what the records are. That's a game that, that they will always want to win. They make DVDs about it. Yes. Um, Maybe even Blu-rays in this era. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> v- they still make them VHS. They can do all of the stuff. Betamax. Right there. They're a bunch of nerds. Laserdisc. Um, and, you know, Missouri can score, so that worries me a little bit. Yeah, I don't think Tennessee has but much also of a chance think, to beat Missouri. But also think Missouri – well, it's just, you know, Drew Locke's 
lit Tennessee up the past two years. Uh, and now he may be at the point of his season where maybe they might be like six and five, and he's like, uh, let's not, I'm not taking any hits, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I just don't think Tennessee can score 35 points or so that it would need at least that to beat Mizzou, and I just don't see that happening. Well, I mean, how many, how many, how many SEC games has Missouri scored 35? I know they did against South Carolina. Um, yeah, that was a weird game, though. They got to 29 against Georgia, but a lot of that was garbage time. Uh, and they got to 10 against Alabama, so that's you know, that's less than Tennessee. Um, but yeah, I you know that's are, a tough, you, are that, you just trying to blow a hole in my argument here? That's is that a what tough you're game. To I do? think Kentucky might be more beatable than Missouri because Kentucky, I agree, is one dimensional on offense. Yes. Um, if you make Terry Wilson beat you, I don't think he can beat you. Uh, and we'll have to see. Um, we'll have to see about Kentucky. They've got, uh, and plus they're coming like, coming off a game against Georgia. And they're playing Missouri this week too, so they could they could be taking a couple losses, have this great season start kind of tumbling down uh, a little bit. So you want to know what their mental state is. Plus, Kentucky never beats Tennessee in Tennessee. Um, was it 1984 last time they won in Knoxville? It's been yes. a while. Uh, that so, was just post World's Fair. And so, and and I think South Carolina is uh, a lot of these teams are could go either way. They've been inconsistent. They've had good moments. They've had stretches in games where you're like, okay, they're pretty good. They could win eight games. And then you have other stretches where you watch these teams and they just kind of do things that are just like, wow. I mean, I think Tennessee, Tennessee could play not that great and this team will just implode. I mean, you look at the Missouri-South Carolina game, it's a great example. The game was played in a monsoon. Uh, Missouri has like a long touchdown run. It gets overturned. They have a first and goal, and they end up getting no points out of, out of it when they think they had a touchdown. Plus, they think they win the game after going down the field, and they give – you know, it's just – so inconsistent, it makes these games hard to predict with these teams that are kind of middling teams that aren't Georgia or Alabama or LSU or yeah, even A&M. I agree. I'm not throwing Florida in there. I still don't think Florida's that good. Uh, I still don't see it either. They just they grind out results and good for them, but I just – how many times have we said this about Florida in the past decade? They're not really that good, but they're they're winning. So credit to them for fit, not a for, lot because did you see the Jim McElwain era? No, but there was they won the East a couple years and it was like they're well, they not that good. They didn't win the East. Butch Jones gave them the East. Well, it's true, but they still had to go out there and win their other games. So, but I, I think Tennessee. I think this is a game they can win because I think South Carolina is um, one of the couple of remaining teams that maybe is feeling sorry for itself a little bit more. Uh, like I mentioned, Vandy always gets up for Tennessee. Kentucky could still have the East on the line potentially. Uh, or could still be playing in contention to win the division uh, if they get past Missouri and if they, um, you know, if they beat Georgia or something, you know, whatever. Uh, I think that, that game's at home for them too. So uh, Missouri is another team that who knows if they have a lot to play for down at the end. We'll have to see. But uh, I think this is a game South Jared Carolina. Dooley calling the game of his life. South Carolina has been a little bit up and down. They've looked very beatable. They looked vulnerable. Um, they seem to be not playing up to. Uh, what they could be playing to, which has been sort of the inverse of what they've done under Will Muschamp to this point. Because uh, I think the first two years, he probably, as much as anybody, did a good job of doing more with less. And now you've got Jake Bentley in his third year. You've got two NFL receivers. Um, and Bentley's, and you know, take out the opener. He's got six interceptions, or six touchdowns and seven interceptions this season. So he's been mistake prone. They've had drops. They, de- they can't run the ball. And so uh, that's the thing about this game is, you look at these two offenses, neither of them can run the ball. And then you've got, you know, the passing games could be good. But for South Carolina, Bentley's been erratic and they've had drops. And for Tennessee, 
when they've had time to throw the ball down the field, they've made some plays, especially yeah, the last two weeks because they've got good receivers that can win one-on-one matchups. But at the same time, every time they drop back to pass, just about, their quarterback's getting splattered and <laughs> they're getting knocked out of the game. So, um, and, and they have sack fumbles and things like that. So uh, this game could go any one of any different directions on Saturday night. And the fact that the past six games between these two teams have pretty much gone down to the final play just about makes me think it'll probably go down to the wire again. Here's what here's what is I think a good thing and a bad thing. I'm going to give you the best case scenario and the worst case scenario for Tennessee this weekend. I think the worst case scenario is the fact that Tennessee is awfully banged up at secondary, um, and, and Alante Taylor being back will help because he just did a dumb thing and got himself ejected from the Bama game last week. But uh, and regardless of what you say that happened with Bama the week before and all that, and people say that I get it, um, but the fact is. Uh, Taylor did what he did right in front of a referee. But, I mean, uh, Jeremy Pruitt saw it and said it was an obvious call. Uh, there was a no doubter there. So so that is what it is. But he'll be back. But what concerns me is Tennessee's kind of banged up thin secondary going up against those two beasts that South Carolina has at wide receiver. And they are beasts. Debo Samuel is just a really good, one of the all-around best players, I think, in the Southeastern Conference. And then Brian Edwards is, you know, just Jason Kroom looking. That's a big dude. That's a big dude who can make big plays. And I think those guys matched up against Tennessee's secondary. If Tennessee cannot get a pass rush going, um, then, then I think you're, you're looking at a situation where Carolina can make some big, big plays down the field against you. So that would be the, the thing that scares me. What I think is the most exciting thing for Tennessee is one of the biggest reasons, and Pruitt said this himself, one of the biggest reasons Tennessee beat Auburn and one of the biggest reasons that road underdogs win games usually is because of emotion and because they want it more than the other team wants it. They play harder, they play with an edge, and they find a way to get it done. And you wonder if South Carolina's kind of disappointing season, sort of like Auburn's disappointing season, will be a factor in this game. Like if both teams kind of hang around, they start Tennessee hangs around, start you know fights with them a little bit, does eventually South Carolina just kind of – Nah, they just don't want it as much. And Tennessee's out there playing as hard as they can, rallying for Trey Smith and all these things. And 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 does Tennessee kind of use raw emotion to carry them this weekend? I, th- I think that is a possibility, and I think that's maybe the best-case scenario for the Vols. My concern with that, and I think it's a good point, I think it's a valid point, and we definitely saw it at Auburn. Uh, Auburn was just coming off a loss. Yep. Um, their second loss, they played really badly in that game against Mississippi State, had a couple things that didn't go their way. Um with some touchdowns that were either scored or not scored, depending on your point of view. Um, South Carolina's had a week to sort of regroup and refocus and kind of be like, okay, what's what's been going wrong? Let's see if we can get it fixed. Now, if you're Tennessee and you come out and you somehow reverse your form and score first, play from uh, an advantage, you know, get a lead, then I think you could maybe make South Carolina sort of slump their shoulders a little bit. But if that South Carolina you, that gets, means you have to start well for Tennessee. Yeah, and which Tennessee's is, not done that all season. So yeah. Um, but if South Carolina can, and, and and you know Tennessee didn't start great at Auburn too, but they responded. They kept responding. Yep. If you keep responding to this team and you have maybe the the greater fortitude, then you can do what they did against Auburn. And uh, I think South Carolina is sort of in a similar situation where uh, it could go that way. I mean, it, they've they had high hopes for the season. They thought they would be. Uh, in contingent for the East, and it's late October, and I think they're, what, two and three in the league? Yeah. They're out of the race. So, I mean, uh, 
you know, how do their they best, handle their that? Best how do they they're hand, playing for a January? How ball. do they handle that situation? And and can Will Muschamp get uh, get them playing the right way? And and again, these are two teams that don't run the ball well, and so. Yep. Uh, and, and if you're Tennessee, I think they've done some good things uh, against mortals. You know, they did a good job against Jake Fromm and, and Jared Stidham, I thought. I thought they had good mm-hmm. game plans. I thought they covered well. I thought they disguised some things. And I think if you knew the same thing to Jake Bentley, he can uh, he can maybe serve up a, a, an interception or two for you. Now they have – Tennessee has to catch it. They've dropped I don't know how many interceptions. Nigel Warrior, man, he would just uh, – get on the jugs machine, my man. But, uh, but, but again, I, I just – you know, this, this Tennessee can't run the ball as well. How hurt is Jared Garantano? Um, and, and yeah, because you know, well, Muschamp's defenses are going to be structurally sound. And, and can Tennessee protect him with South Carolina getting its best pass rusher back this week? And DJ Wanham, I think, had six or seven sacks last season. So yeah, it seemed like he had all of them against Tennessee, but he just <laughs> he had some big plays in that game. They did have seven last year, didn't they? So, yeah, something like that. Six something or seven. ridiculous. But the here here is what I think. I. I I don't know if everyone's going to agree with this. I, I think South Carolina is probably overall maybe better coached on defense than Auburn is. I think there's, they're they're just very sound. You know, they keep guys in front of you. They do what those good Will Muschamp defenses do. They just wait. Kinda, did you say South Carolina's defense is better than Auburn's? No, I think more well coached. I think in some ways, uh, I think I think Muschamp's a really good defensive coach, and I think he keeps that that group pretty sound. Even when they're not spectacular, they usually do a good job of kind of structurally keeping you. Um, okay, thank you for showing your work there. Uh, that that's that's I know stati- I, I I'd say probably even with Wanham I think Auburn has more talent especially in the front seven but Ooh, I, far. I I just think South Carolina is a, a, always when I see them they're usually a pretty well coached a sound team defensively you're gonna have to make plays to beat them because they're not necessarily gonna beat themselves but when I look at this game there's a couple really fascinating things. The first one, we need to talk about this. We've 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 danced around it. We need to come right at this thing. We need to go. Just kind of two trap right over the middle, go right at him. Is Tennessee in a quarterback situation right now? Does Tennessee have a decision to make or nah? No, they don't have a decision to make. That was quick. I mean, did everybody see what Garantano did two weeks ago? I mean, it's like I agree. That's the the in this day and age, not only in college football. Is but this going to make it fun when we both when, when we agree? Is this going to make it fun? It might. I don't know. It might make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't see why everybody, you know, Keller Chris threw like five passes against Alabama, and everybody thought he was, he should be starting. Mm, One ninety-five passer mm, rating. Nah, I don't. Garantano's this team's quarterback for a I don't reason. Think I buy it. Now, I think if Chris was forced into the game, he could do a good job. I think Tennessee could, yeah. go beat South Carolina with Keller Chris at quarterback. He's a height, yeah. Um, but I think their best chance is Garantano. Now, the question, and I pointed this out on our on our board, the checkerboard earlier this week. Question for me is, uh, Garantano is obviously not going to be at 100%. Just banged up on his knee. His ribs probably hurt. His shoulder. Shoulder. Who knows what else. He's probably sore everywhere. But is whatever percentage he's at. He's probably in the cryo tub a lot. Let's see if he – let's say he's at 90%. Is a 90% Garantano give you give Tennessee a better chance of winning than 100% Keller Christ? That I that – I, that's the question to me. And I think and, 90% might be kind to Garantano. I think he's pretty dinged up. Uh, and I still think that's fine because he's he's a tough kid. He'll play through it. Oh, you know, no doubt. You may be sore, but you you know you you manage it all week. Uh, you do the the cryo, whatever you what whatever word you just made up. 
Um, yeah, it's not a cryo tub, like a cryo chamber kind of ice. No, but ice they, baths, whatever. They have those mobile, All, you know, those anyways, mobile cryo tubes that they that they put the guys in. Anyways, and you know, you do that for a week. You're not taking hits for a week, uh, and then you get to game time, and your adrenaline's going. You're probably not maybe as sore as you have been all week. So, um, question is, can you get through a game? And so, Toradol's a hell of a drug. Again, I don't. I'm not condoning any sort of drug use. Any, just I just want that on the saying, record. I mean, they, they numb you up with a um, shot before a game. That's what. And they so do. he, uh, I, I think Garantano will be fine, and I think he is this team's best quarterback, and he gives them their best chance of winning. There's obviously things he needs to do better. Um, he needs to do a better job of, of reading defenses and recognizing blitzes to help him help himself in terms of pass protection. Um, and, and Jeremy Pruitt pointed that out going into the Alabama game, and then we saw it. I think that I don't know if he. He, he should have recognized the blitz that got him hit on the third play of the game, and I don't think he did. But, uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't think there's. I don't see a quarterback conundrum here. I think Garantano is uh, this team's quarterback until he's not healthy enough to be this team's quarterback. Which uh, it's going to be sort of a week to week thing now. The rest of the season is, uh, and that's why Chris is going to have to be ready. And that's why Chris was, uh, as Grant Ramey has pointed out before, an important get for this team because uh, he's he's a nice stopgap in case. Uh, in the in the cases that everybody thought would happen, which is Jaron Garantano is going to get beat up pretty good all season long. I think that's I think that's fair, and and I think listen, I, I think Garantano is the guy that he he won this competition for a reason. He's a guy you can build around. He's a guy that you know he showed them some toughness this season. He has showed them some improvement with his progressions and with other things. Still needs to work on that RPO game. I think he, his decisions in the RPO game often leave a lot to be desired. Um, he needs to improve in that area. But as Pruitt said earlier this week, you know, when, you, when you're when you afraid you're going to get killed every time you drop back, sometimes that can affect your RPO game because you, you're, you're, your just natural instinct is to get rid of the ball because you're going to get plastered. No matter how tough you are, it's just or as give tough it to, to do. The, give it to the other guy so he can get hit yeah. in the backfield for a three-yard loss. That's the thing is is uh, when Garitano is getting help around him from his receivers, just enough time from his offensive line, uh, he, I think he's been pretty good at getting the job done. And the problem is is that it's been really inconsistent. They haven't protected him very well. Uh, they, there's no run game to protect him either. Uh, I think more than half of Tennessee's run, running plays the past two games have gone for one yard or zero or negative yards. And that's – Correct. That's Bare, just, barely 100 yards combining I mean, the past two games. You're just – you're, you're, you're putting the game on him. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he was – I think he saw Alabama's colors and remember the beating he took last year and got a little skittish. He looked rattled like from the start in that game, Compa- especially compared to Auburn where he looked comfortable. Yeah, and when, Cr- when and when Chris came in, the game was pretty much over. So he was like just relaxing out there, flinging the ball around. And Chris, Chris still took some hits. I mean, he wasn't sitting back there sipping a cup of tea and throwing throwing the ball. I mean, nah. he was he was having to. He's a big dude. He can take him. He was having to get rid of it, and there were a couple throws that he didn't make or that were incompletions because he got pressured. So um, the offensive line play has obviously got to get better. We've, we've talked about that just about ad nauseum every week. So um, the good news for Tennessee's offensive line, though, in this game is that South Carolina's defensive front is not Auburn or Alabama or Georgia or even Florida. So um, they've got some good players up front, the Gamecocks do, but they're not going up against Derek Brown and Quentin Williams and all those cats again. That's very true. That, that we'll, see how, we'll see how they go with Jordan Allen against Kentucky. And Terry well, Beckner against Missouri is pretty good, but South Carolina—they're—they're—that's not—they're—they're—they're they're, they're taking a step down in terms of the daunting 
this factor, if that makes sense. And you know what's interesting to me is that when you talk to Pruitt about this week, we've asked him, you know, point blank kind of how did this week go from a, you know, kind of a mental standpoint? How did how did the team handle this week emotionally, kind of physically, uh, psychologically? How did they go into this week? Because they had kind of been on the ascendancy the week before, had been playing some pretty good football, gotten some good press, people thinking, hey, is this team going to be pretty good now or decent? And then they go out there and they just get obliterated by Alabama. And then how does that affect a team in you know between the years? And Pruitt said basically that Tennessee has done – a really good job all season of putting those things aside and just working. And he said there's rarely been a day where this team hasn't gotten better. And I think that is a good sign because I don't think Pruitt, I don't think he's the kind of guy who says that if he doesn't mean it. And I think this team does need to focus on the next rep in practice, the next series in practice, the next day of practice, the next week, the next game. Take it in that order. And I think Pruitt's kind of – you know, kind of spent a lot of spring kind of tearing these guys down. Now he's trying to build them back up a little bit. And and I like the fact that he comes out there and says, hey, I think they're competing. I think every day they're trying to get better. They're they're giving us an effort. Not everybody, but most of those guys are. And I think that's a good sign because I, I think if you're Tennessee, you have to look at the situation and say, well, Alabama's just better than us. They're better than everybody. So you have to toss that aside and just go about the next week. And I think they've done. A, I think that's a good sign when you hear things like that. Yeah, and I don't. I think we can all say that the Auburn game was sort of the. I don't want to say it was an anomaly, but Tennessee was just in a zone that day. It seems like a lot of things went right, uh, and Tennessee did, played really well in that game, and they deserve to win that game. Can they do that again? That's the question. It, and we saw kind of bad Tennessee against Alabama. Alabama's great, but Tennessee played like crap. I mean, they made a bunch of mistakes. They didn't help themselves a lot of times with some uh, some penalties. Marquez Callaway drops a pass or you know first play of the game. Um, Alante Taylor gets kicked out. All yeah, you know, they just they didn't play well. You know, a lot of mistakes in special teams. They missed a field goal. They had the kickoff situation to start the second half. Thirteen yard punt. They did a lot of things wrong in that game. A lot of execution errors, and so. Uh, we still have kind of seen that they're still capable of putting up a stinker. And now we've also seen with the Auburn game that they're capable of, of playing pretty well. So which which version are we going to get Saturday night? We don't know. We don't know what version of South Carolina we're going to get either because uh, if Bentley's on, I don't think Tennessee's got a great chance of winning. But if Bentley's erratic as he's been, as he's shown to be, then I think he can – you know, Tennessee will, will have a chance to, to be in the game and have a chance to win it. So um, – yeah, I think Pruitt is certainly keeping an eye on big picture stuff, and that's why he made some of the comments he made last week. And I think what got lost is him saying that you know there is a lot of there is a lot of guys on this team and a lot of players on this team that are doing things the right way that he sees that he's liking what he's seeing from them, but uh, they just need more talent. I I think that's you know what he said last week. I think got blown out of proportion a little bit by some people, but I, I don't have any problem with it. I mean, he's right. Neither do his way, players. Kyle Phillips. A lot of his guys have yeah. come out and defended it. Yeah, I mean that's what they that's what they do at Alabama. They don't they're not upfront about it, but I mean, in Alabama they just bring in five and four star guys, and uh, they say either sink or swim because we're going to keep bringing these guys in. If they're better than you, we're going to play them, and so you got to you got to you know if you want to play, you got to earn it. And so uh, I think I think that's sort of the thing that Tennessee wants too. But obviously they have uh, a chance with this class to bring in guys that are better than the guys that they might be 
coming in four. So, but yeah, th- this game to me is really hard to predict just because these teams have been so up and down. You don't know which version you're going to get. Um, and each team has shown that they can be pretty good in stretches, and each team has shown that they can uh, be kind of craptastic and make a bunch of mistakes and, and shoot themselves in the foot. So, uh, who knows which direction it'll go Saturday night. But by Friday morning, we will have our, or Friday afternoon, we will have our picks in. Yeah. So, uh, I haven't made mine yet. I, I, I'm going, I haven't either. This is what time it is. This is, this is mid to late Thursday afternoon. We're recording this. I, I, I'm, I, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. I, I don't really know yet. Uh, before we get out of here, though, we will get to a couple of the questions. A lot of them came from social media this week because uh, I got the, the thread up on the board too you, late. You messed up. I did. I did. I, 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 I made a mistake. I have to acknowledge that. Uh, but there were a couple of good ones on here. Uh, first off, I'm going to give some good credit to Darren Atkins here who quoted uh, an Insane Clown Posse song and said, Magnets, how do they work? That was, if you know what I'm talking about, if you've ever seen that meme, that's a really, really, really good question. Uh, but scientifically, I, I don't know if I can answer that question. Interesting question from Frat Boy, or Fat Boy Frank, I should say. When are they going to put Tyler Bird at DB? Uh, uh, never. They Again. tried that in the spring. It didn't, it didn't work out. It so. didn't take. He has got a touchdown. He got a touchdown. He's doing all right. Uh, a couple questions, actually. Two questions right now. Uh, these are... Uh, two questions. I'm going to got one of them from Scott Burke. I'll mention him first because he was the first one who mentioned it. Uh, what about Jawan Jennings and the Wildcat package? Let's bring uh, back some wild dog. No, Tennessee, just throwing the ball. Hold on. It, here, here's, here's, here's the thought here. Tennessee is struggling to run the ball, right? One of their best yards after catch guys, one of their most physical, toughest guys, Jawan Jennings, guy who breaks a couple tackles, gets you a couple yards when you need one. I wouldn't mind seeing a uh, Ju- uh, maybe some of those short yardage stuff. Bring in some Jawan Jennings Wildcat. He can maybe break a tackle and fall forward for a couple yards. Yeah, but I, I like my I like him you gotta, trying. You got to scheme it up, right? No, you don't. I'm, no, I'm saying in the run game, you've got to scheme things up because you're not just you're not just putting a hat on a hat and getting success right now in the run game. It's just, it's just not happening. And if you do, if you you can put Barry Sanders back there, and it gonna matter. Barry Sanders might, but other okay. Good point. M- most people, Barry, let me, let Barry go, Sanders. Let me go look at his 1988 season. Yeah. And get back. <laughs> go look at look, go look at some of those old lines he ran behind and what he did. He'd probably find a way to make uh, it work. No, I mean I I like you, you make a good point about Jennings and yards after contact and all that stuff. And pretty much all of Tennessee's rushing yards right now are coming after contact. Yes, they, even they're like, having to. Even like the minus one yard runs are like still plus two yak. Um, but to me. Uh, just throw Jennings the ball ten times. Throw it to him fifteen times. Last year, nine target or last week, nine targets, six catchable I mean, passes, six receptions. <laughs> I mean, he. I, I like my chances of him trying to fight off an entire secondary than him going up against and banging heads with defensive linemen and linebackers. That's my thought process. There. That's I, fair. Now, I mean, if they, if you want to wrink, throw a wrinkle in there and get him back there, I wouldn't blame him. You know, you get one of your best players the ball. Plus, he can throw it. So, you know, YOLO, but just throwing the ball. That's what I say. A couple more before we get out of here. I'm probably wrong, though. Whatever. One is uh, – this was – and this is is pertinent because it's one of the most important questions for Tennessee this week. However, the answer is one that we've already discussed at great length in a previous podcast this week. But I'll mention it again. Ben Holloway said who's going to move to left tackle without Trey there. Uh, We did do – if you missed the podcast from yesterday, go back and listen to it. We talked about this a lot. But I think we are both in agreement that they'll probably go with Niehaus first and see if it works just to keep the continuity there. Yeah. We think that? 
Yes, we do. We think that. We agree. And then here, uh, this is going to go, it's a little bit off topic, but it's the, uh, I'm going to give this the Grant Ramey gun show question of the week. Comes from Biscuits and Gravy on Twitter, CT Bailey 77. Uh, best brewery in Tennessee. Ooh. Now you're talking about, I'm, I, uh. I think that question means not just who makes the best, like one beer, like overall, who makes the best stuff overall? Best brewery hmm. in Tennessee. Let's see. There are a couple in Memphis that I obviously... I'd say you're going to go Wiseacre, one of those, aren't you? I'm just, I'm just throwing that I'm out there. Wiseacre or... My wife loves Tiny Bomb, too. Ghost Island? Or is it Ghost... No, it's Ghost River, I think, in Memphis. Let me double check. It's been a while since I've been down there, so... Um. And, you know, I went on a... Uh, uh, you know, uh, Mike Wilson from the uh, Knoxville News Sentinel, a good, good friend of the pod... Uh, had a birthday recently, and a bunch of us rented a um, one of those uh, brewery buses where you go around to different breweries around town. Had a great time. Shout out to Ace and that crew at Knox Brew Tours. We had a great time with them that night. Yeah. And we saw, we, we went to like three or four different breweries that were all made good stuff. I'm a big fan of the Shoalsbrow people here in Knoxville. I'll just, they're, they're not, listen, they're not giving me a penny. Uh, pay full price for everything when I go there. But uh, the people at Shoals Brown Knoxville, it's a great experience. Their Oktoberfest stuff is good. Their Dunkel's really good. Uh, they have a Rattler uh, that in the summertime can be pretty refreshing and delicious. Um, I think those guys are good. Uh, I think uh, if you're talking about best pound for pound, like best overall, you might have to go with Yazoo. I don't know. Shout, I do know a couple people uh, at, at the Yazoo, and there's some good people, but I think they make the most, maybe the, the widest spectrum of good beers of a brewery in this state. Perhaps you could make that argument. Uh, but you're not going to vote for a Nashville one. No, so no, I, I like Yazoo. I am. I've had many a Dos Paris in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, they are good. Uh, I got. I'll give a shout out to Yeehaw. There you go. Yeah, John City. Yeehaw Dunkel's a good brew. Uh, Dunkel's a good, good one. It's probably my favorite from them. But uh, yeah, Wiseacre and Ghost River are probably two of my picks in Memphis. If I had to pick a Nashville one, I'd probably also go with Yazoo. Yeah, Jackalope and some others in Nashville are pretty good, too. Um, and I haven't picked one here, have I? No. I'm probably going Shulzbrow here, although I really like the people at Alliance. They're really heavy like a lot of people are in the IPAs right now. I'm one of the few people who's not like a big IPA guy. Uh, they're okay, but I just think everyone's like, how many hops can we throw in a beer? Hop, 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 hop. There are other ingredients uh, in a beer than hops. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people are on the uh, – the uh, IPA train, but I think those people at Alliance make a couple of really good ones, so I'm going to give them a shout-out. I think I've had Schultzbrow before somewhere, but I don't think I've been uh, there. The, I don't think I've actually one, been It's one of the coolest atmospheres in town. It's I don't cool think place. I've actually been there. I think my wife actually watched the Alabama game there last week, so I was jealous. I like the instead, uh, of, instead of getting to watch football and drink beer, I had to work. And I'm going to tell you, the most underrated in town, in Knoxville, probably, probably – most underrated, I think, might be Crafty Bastard down there on uh, down there in Happy Holler. Those guys, uh, they have a lot of. Now they had they even had a they even had a, a pickle beer that I tried. Didn't love it, no. But it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But they've also got a couple of really good. Uh, they've also got a couple of really good, really good brews there. So and they make some different things. They're not they're not afraid to try some interesting things. So. I'm sorry, I got bored and was messing with my microphone. Sorry, it's all right. No, I was getting a little ADD right now. Well, I know, but we're and we're wrapping this up. But this was a good question and one that deserves a good answer. And I'm sure we will get a lot of suggestions from uh, Hot Vol. He's our noted beer beer guy on on our on our board. Yes, um, I think he's also a frequent listener to the uh, to the podcast. Yes, 
Uh, so let let's us know. Let us know when we have uh, IT issues on the site. Very, yes, very good at finding and he those. Will, he will do. Um, he's he, like a, he's like cr- he's like Scruff McGruff there when he, he when, when he sniffs them out. And Hop will let us know that all of the the breweries we just mentioned are terrible, and then here are the ones we should be talking about. I, I, and I that's t- fine with me because I'm all you know. Let's let's the more beer the better. You know what I'm saying? Well, hey, I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give <laughs> I'm gonna give my three shout outs to Knoxville, which are Shul's Brow. Crafty bastard, and then the people, good people at Alliance. Language. It's the name of the brewery. Language. It's the name of the company, and um, and uh, the people at Alliance also have the uh, Premier League watch parties and stuff there. And last one, this is probably the one my wife would say. You're, you're going all Callahan here by naming every brewery. No, I'm gonna eventually going to name a winner. I should have put Hops and Hollers up there. Hops and Hollers is a really good place there. And um, you're going to come back after we get done recording and insert yourself saying they don't make a lot of their own beer there, but they um, but they just it's a cool place. You're going to come back and say, oh, I meant to say this one. Listen, I went with I went locally. You went with all of them. No, hold on. What's his favorite brewery is all of them. I'm going to say number one in the state, probably until proven otherwise, in my opinion, might be Yazoo. But uh, there are some really good ones here locally, too. And there's Hutton and Smith and Chattanooga, too. There's some good places all around the state that you can go get. A good brew. Do you have? Did you give a final answer? What's your final answer? I named mine. I'm not taking it anymore. Which one did you name? Wise Acre? Is that what you went with? Uh, You're going to go Memphis. You know you are. I know. I'm going to go. I think I might go Ghost River. I think you can only get that there. I haven't had. I haven't seen any other stuff up here. So, so it's 901 only. Yeah. I like it. Maybe. Maybe when. Maybe if Tennessee ends up in ends up in the Liberty Bowl. Reminds me of one of the uh, best places I ever got a beer was a spruce tip ale in Skagway, Alaska. That you cannot get really anywhere but Skagway, Alaska. They make it with the spruce tip trees there. Delicious. I had. I, had I still some, miss that beer. I had something in Milwaukee uh, this summer. Good brew place. Uh, As is Michigan, Lake state Front, of Michigan. Lakefront Brewery. I can't remember the name of the beer, but it was like I. I even like asked the people there, like, "Do you guys send this to like? Do you guys distribute this to uh, to Tennessee?" And they do. But I don't know where it goes once it once they send it here. They send it to some place in Nashville and it gets distributed. I don't know where it is. Yeah, I've spent the past several months trying to uh, figure out. So where. if you if any of you people out there know where they sell lakefront beer in this state, please please tell me. Uh, my email is pbrown one six eight eight at gmail.com. If you ever see uh, the uh, the the spruce tip ale from uh, please let me know from, asap from Alaska, that would be delicious. And also the last thing, uh, I've been on a search for the past several months to find piton beer which they had it was the kind of like the official beer of saint of saint lucia but it's from, made from the people who make heineken but it's made down there and it's hard to get it you can get it like in new york and miami but that might be it here in the states i uh, i miss it it was all over the place in saint lucia but uh it, it was it was it was a good good brew so good question that was the grant's gun show question of the week and as a reminder that means that if you see grant ramey for the next seven days anywhere out in Knoxville, Maryville, Blount County, anywhere, or this weekend in South Carolina, and you say, Grant, I'd like two tickets to the gun show. He has to flex his muscles for you. That is the deal. Ramey has accepted this. Um, he didn't really get much of an option, but he he accepted it. So thanks for tuning in, guys. We will be back next week as usual. We'll, whether Tennessee wins or loses, we'll be here to break that down, talk about the future, uh, and that really exciting game next week against Charlotte. So that's going to be yeah. – that's going to be something. We'll get through it. Thanks for listening, guys. We've got uh, GoVols247.com is our website. You can go there. That's where you get access to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, usually. We are almost always on that site there. And for uh, just about 10 bucks a month, you can get 
all of the Tennessee news you want on any single topic. You've also got twitter.com slash govals247, facebook.com slash govals247. I'm on Twitter, twitter.com slash westrucker247, Patrick Brown's P Brown247 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Uh, no 24-7 there, just Grant Ramey. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 there on Twitter. We don't have a... I don't think we do a lot of Instagram and Snapchat yet. Maybe we'll add that later. But, uh, you know, we're giving you a lot of options, okay? So no whining about things we don't do. We're trying to give people everything. Aren't we, Patrick? Yes. Do you have any final thoughts, Pat? No. <laughs> <laughs>